Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. show we're joined by Kate Griffiths so everyone please join me in welcoming Kate. Hi it's so lovely to be here thank you so much Shelley for inviting me to be on here it's a real honour to be with you. Oh bless you thank you so much. Now I know you've got so many backstories but please do share the one example of positive change. So it really it started 22 years ago which I can't quite believe and I think back that long and I at the time I was a director of uh, European Liaison which is a bit of a grand title I worked in a university um, working both with students and um, staff lecturers and academics and trying to build a European strategy for the university so very head-based stuff and I don't know how I did it but I picked up this book called The Celestine Prophecy I don't know if you've heard of it I have, and I have tried to read it, but it wasn't the book for me. So, oh, well, when no. I, I feel about it now, but when I read it 22 years ago, I could not put the book down. And it was like a portal, and it just transformed my life. It took me almost to another world, even though I was, you know, sat in 3D reality in a bedroom somewhere. And I read it to the early hours of the morning, and I was just blown away. By what I was reading about and I think the key phrase in it was something like your children the next generation so when you have children or what have you or nieces and nephews they have more knowingness about them than the previous generation so they are your teachers and that really rung true for me at that point in time and then the back to what you know how you went to South America and just was really basically doing work sort of like like a coach or a healer or you know therapist but working one-on-one with people and running his own business and I was like yeah I'm going to do that one day and at that point in time I had no idea what coaching was or how that would work so (laughs) that's amazing 22 years ago and that book as well do you know my first Cassie comment uh, mind body spirit fair it was Kate someone says to me you must read this book and I said oh I tried it but it really wasn't for me and they went well you're not going to come to anything in life and you're never going to be spiritual and I was like wow, wow. <laughs> namaste sister namaste yeah so you know later on I tried to reread it yeah. bizarrely I've got two copies of it on my bookshelf but wow. yeah but I love the fact it worked for you and I think it works for many people but I'm obviously a bit of a wonky donkey <laughs> not at all so I think that actually is really interesting what you said shared there because I'm on this journey we're all on a journey I believe everybody has a spiritual path but you know it's not necessarily something they're consciously aware of but then once you do find that way then you just get more and more signs and you know go on that journey but anyways I'm on, on this journey and I was reading just recently um, about intolerance you know we all know about that in society you know don't accept difference and people are a bit different or whatever and there's judgment and just like you've just experienced that you know with that person and and they then the assumptions they made about you and actually 
what's really interesting is when you dive down into it and we don't sort of take it personally and get into the drama and the story of it it's like well what's going on for that person and what it is is that they're stuck in a place of fear and so they're projecting their fear on you or on whoever it is that you know be that racial prejudice which is you know really current at the moment with black lives matter and all of that kind of stuff but it's really just deep fear and so once we acknowledge that fear whatever is the fear that we have and we can work with that then we can transmute it yeah i believe that i think that when we meet someone we get that sort of like intuition coming out thinking oh i love them or oh no i don't there is something that is just being mirrored back to us isn't there yeah that's really i love that phrase so i work as you know with, with color and the system that i work with is called color mirrors and oh, okay. Called color mirrors is exactly what you've just pointed to. How perfect is that? So, in essence, that whatever shows up at your door is just a mirror back to you of stuff that you're working on yourself. So, I was really what came into my consciousness recently is that I've always, you know, I've always known I'm spiritual. I'm a Reiki master. Do all these things, blend of things, and a color teacher, and so on. Um, and I'm, I'm really open about it, but actually I kept getting clients that also had like a spiritual thing that they did and a more kind of business piece as well. And actually there was some fear for them around really revealing the whole of their spiritual truth, you know, because will I get judged for people think I'm some weirdo or, yeah. you know, in my tie dye or, you know whatever it is and so actually that's really fascinating because then of course you go you take it into yourself and go where in my life am I doing that myself where do I need to just be more even more open about you know how I talk to people so I've started consciously talking about the difference between 3d reality and fifth dimension and what does that mean and how, and you know how do you get there because I think you know, in our worlds, you probably come across a lot of people like this, there are lots of views about what the new way of being is and how the world is changing. But actually, when you dig a bit deeper, quite a lot of people haven't got a clue. It's kind of like a wrapper around all the old that they've always done. Yeah. And actually, what we're being called to is to really stand up and define that. And okay, sometimes maybe you say, I don't know, but be at the frontier and pioneering and bringing in all this new stuff yeah I love it where did you I know you had that absolute clarity 22 years ago but where did you go from that sort of like that portal in the book that worked for you into being where you are now what changed um well do you know I think you know when we talk about you know when people say oh we need a revolution and actually revolutions never work you know they might change society for a tiny bit of time but then it kind of reverts back you look at like the russian revolution the french revolution all those things and i say that because you know i don't you might ha i had that real moment and and i think you can have breakthroughs and insights and or you know like paul saul on the road to damascus but actually it's not sustainable and so things happen gradually and they start to shift over time. So for a while, I still stayed in the job that I was in. And then three years later, I ended up in a completely different role, uh, working for a, um, 
top consultancy. I worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers and I thought I'd made it, you know, this was it, you know, I was somebody. And that was a total joke, really. But, and I realised that really quickly. Um, and then, um, and I got, ma- I got married shortly after that. So obviously that was a big change. And that's when I first had Reiki. I didn't even know what Reiki was. I mean, this was back in 2002. And I'm in the Amazon jungle, you know, in this eco lodge going, yeah, okay, if you want to do that on me, that's fine. You know, it's pretty open <laughs> what they were doing. Or what, what, and you know, I was feeling pretty happy anyway, because I just got married and I really loved up and all of this business. And then within a year of that happening, I did my first Reiki level one training. And then a year after that, I did my Reiki level two training. And when I was doing that, that was really fascinating. I, I'd actually had a miscarriage the year before. And because I was in consulting and it's all about you're only as good as your last job, you know, straight back into work. I never processed the grief at the time. And then this woman before the training said, do you want to have a Reiki session, you know, to have some healing? And I'm always up for that. Says, yeah, yeah, that'd be lovely, you know. And she said, oh, yeah, no, there's all this stuff in your abdomen and all that, you know, because it was all still sort of, you know, like stuck energy in there because I hadn't really yeah. processed it. And then when I did the training, I was getting the attunement, so they do these attunements over your head, and I had this really loud voice in my head, and it said, you will come into your power when you become a mother, and I just almost laughed, because I was like, yeah, no, you know, at that point in time, my husband was, um, wasn't even in the country, so I thought, well, that's not likely to happen, <laughs> unless it's the immaculate conception, um, and then I took this period of as to integrate that training and learning I had like a 30-day detox where I didn't drink any alcohol and stuff like that and literally I got um I and then I was you know spent some time with my husband and I got pregnant either in that time you know as I, so I just thought that was fascinating and that was when my first daughter was um you know conceived um but I didn't realize because I never had morning sickness and um you know and then I, you know obviously I did realize I didn't get my period and stuff like that so that was the next piece of the of the journey and then roll on about three years I had two children under two and I became a qualified coach because I'd found myself in PwC I was coaching my boss which was kind of weird and I didn't really have any tools you know I hadn't really you know I'd, I'd done a bit of basic you know coaching 101 I didn't know what it was I thought actually this isn't responsible so I need to get a model I need to understand you know to make sure that I leave any client in a better place than I found them sort of thing so I did this training um, and ran my own business for a couple of years back then but actually really found it hard because when you start you don't know how to build a business you know if you have and how to get your clients and stuff like that but it wasn't so much that it was more the insecurity of not knowing how much money I was going to make in any given month and then I got an opportunity to go back to PwC which I ended up taking and all and in that time I also wrote my first book but I uh, which was about the relationship between spirituality and business because that's what I've always been interested in so I love all the spiritual stuff but it has to be practical you know how to implement that in the real world um and in the end I didn't publish it because I felt the energy wasn't right with the two 
men that I wrote the book with. So I took the bits that were mine and, you know, it was all agreed. We had IP for our own bits. And I said, look, if you want to publish on your own, that's great, but I'm out sort of thing. And then as I say, I went back to PwC and I thought, right, this is it. Cause I was doing much more stuff about supporting people's growth and learning some bit, you know, like, so that felt really good. Um, and then within two years I'd left because I, it was, I suppose I had another turning point. Um, I got really, really ill, um, ended up being in a women's hospital in Warsaw while I was running a global leadership development program. And I just knew it was my, that I wasn't meant to be here. You know, I couldn't make this really very left-brained organization become spiritual, you know, on my own. That wasn't yeah. my job to do. So I manifested a redundancy package, took six months off because I had to get rid of all the toxicity because it was very fear-based. Just let it out of my body. And then I set up my own business, Whole Self Leadership. And I um, had one rule, which was I'm not doing, I'm not going to do anything unless it's fun. Um, <laughs> I'd had a few years of, you know, life being quite stressful in some ways. And so that was, yeah. that was my only rule. And it's sort of grown from there. And then six or seven years ago, I got into colour and I became a colour practitioner, which meant I could help heal people through using colour. And then in 2016, I went to South Africa and I trained with the founder of our system, a woman called Melissa Jolly, um, and became a colour teacher. So I can now teach other people how to use colour and how to bring that modality into whatever other you know tools and work that they're doing but it's really in essence a tool to help raise consciousness and it it goes back to something you said I think right at the beginning you know I think all of our ills in society you know people talk about dis ease mm. and that comes from it starts really with not being content with where you are in any given moment. Oh, I need this. I need more money or I need more to be, you know, more visible or have more impact, all of these things. And that causes a certain level of oh, something's not right. And if you don't manage that, then it can actually become, you know, mental illness or, you know, get depression and what have you, all of these different things. And actually the first thing we're called to do is just to go, yeah, it's good where I am and just, you know, count our blessings and see what we already have because we have so much. And then when we're in that heightened state of awareness, then so much more comes to us almost. It's sort of counterintuitive really, but that's what I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned over time. And, you know, there have been times when it's been really tough and there's been lots going on in my life um, which is the same for everybody but I think the distinction is what tools do we have that can help us to bounce back so we might get stuck in the drama but then how do, quickly do we notice that and how quickly do we shift how we feel about what's going on yeah do you sort of practice gratitude or mindfulness and I ask this because in mindfulness yeah. we're often told sort of like bring it back to where you are now even if you don't like where you are now it's just being you know you're alive the fact you're alive you can feel that you don't like life but be grateful that you're here be grateful that you know you 
can see here, things like that. So do you practice gratitude and mindfulness in your work? Yeah, um, yeah, to a degree. So I used to teach mindfulness. That was the first thing I did when I set my business up in 2012. Oh, okay. To run mindfulness classes, you know, weekly classes for people or do one-to-one sessions with them. So that was really important. And I think where I've got to now, I now run you know, in, in marketing speak, my entry level product is um, what I call heart connections. And it's sort of a blend. I th- one, one of my strengths, Shelley, is that I'm a blender. So I blend all the different traditions and ideas that I've picked up or read about or integrated into my own beingness and then weave that into my work. So now when I... Re- I, I call what I do, it's almost like a contemplation. And let me explain what I mean by that. So you've got mindfulness, if you like, or meditation on one side. And that's very much a yin type of thing. So it's about being and letting go and, you know, com- just coming out of your mind. Yeah. So it's a very much mm-hmm. a sort of feminine thing. And then on the other side, you've got what might be called concentration which is very much the yang energy the masculine energy so it's if i keep doing these yoga poses or this martial arts or whatever and i perfect it i might suddenly get to enlightenment and there's a lot of effort in that and it's hard work you know and it's about applying it every day and actually what i believe is that there's a middle way which i call contemplation which is a blend of both so you need the stillness which you can get through mindfulness or meditation. But it's also then, where do I want to direct my attention? Onto what? What theme or what idea? And what insights might that give me by doing that? And so that's what I do. And obviously I weave in colour and help people to understand things using that. Because I think what colour really helps people with is to get out of their head because the head is what causes the mind if you like is what causes all the challenges that we have because quite often people think they can read their way out of an issue or if i just have more knowledge actually we don't need knowledge we need wisdom and wisdom comes from building the intuitive muscle that we have inside ourselves many people don't pay much attention to that or don't trust it and that's when things start to go wrong See, I love that you work with colour. I did colour therapy, I don't even know how many years ago, Kate. Oh, wow. It's before, before I had children, so 14 years ago. And all I remember is things like, um, like you can eat your colours, can't like eat the rainbow. So if you're feeling unbalanced in life, you'd eat lots of red things for your root chakra and things like that. But I do still use it with my children, actually. So they've been quite anxious of late. And so I get them to choose a colour for the day. So like say, choose a colour orange. And when they have those like wobbly moments during the day, just find something orange somewhere. And so I'd still use it, but probably not to your depth. So how can people use colour in their day-to-day life? So I, I would say, I mean, it was funny actually, because I wrote an article about two or three years ago for Psychologies Today, the magazine. And they yeah. really wanted to boil it down like that you know to okay so what can our readers do you know can they wear magenta colored knickers and I'm like well <laughs> can, but I doubt that will have much of an impact so I know if people are listening to this they won't see this but 
Colour Mirrors is based on a set of bottles. There was a previous system called Aurasoma, which still exists yeah. with square or rectangular bottles. And we would say that was the masculine because it's like straight lines. Whereas obviously, as you can see, Colour Mirrors bottles are flat on the bottom so they can stand up, but they're like a semicircle, so they represent the feminine. Um, and they're made up of oil and water and natural vegetable dyes. And, and I actually think it's really important to work with the bottles. And the reason I say that is because if you know about epigenetics, um, basically well, what you will know is, you know, every day we're born anew, we're a new person because we're not the set, you know, some of our cells have died and new cells have mm -hmm. come in their place in parts of our body. And, and in a way, colour facilitates that. So when you sit in a bath with these, you know, the colour water, it kind of charges into your cells and it shifts. Because sometimes, you know, you can say to people, don't be depressed. But I mean, it's a bit like saying, don't, don't think about pink elephants. What do you think about yeah. pink elephants? You know, I mean, that's not going to help anyone. Or you need to be more confident. What the heck does that mean when somebody's up to a child or an adult or somebody? It's just nuts. Um, and, and, and I think in a way what colour does, working with colour, it, it helps people find their playful side, whether they're an adult or a child. We all love to play. And, and just have fun and get engrossed in the colours. So if people haven't got access to, well, there's two things I'd say. So then there's also what's really great for children, because you mentioned your, your children and mine are 14 and 13. So there's probably a similar ages, but you get these set of mini chakra oils. So they're like in a box and the little roll-ons. It's really not expensive at all. And also it's a set that so has all the colours of the chakras, so from red to magenta. And then they have it and it's just like, if they're feeling out of sorts, stressed or upset or a wobble, a wobble as you were saying, you just go to them and go, you pick the colour that you want. Because if we say it's orange or it's this, then we're imposing our view. Mm. And they might want a different colour and that's fine. And then where do you want to roll it on? You decide, you know, it could be on your wrist or on your part of your face or another part of your body. It doesn't matter because it's yours. Do you know what I mean? So that's what, what I would recommend. Or these lovely spritzers. They, I mean, this one is sort of almost platinum in colour. And it, I chose it because it's got little um, uh, copper sparkly bits in it. And copper is really good for grounding. So if you're feeling a bit, ooh, you know, just ground. <laughs> frequently, Kate, frequently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a spacey kid. <laughs> so actually what you need is lots of copper. Help you ground back down to earth and just ah oh, relax. All red. Copper or red, because they're very earthy colours and it just brings you back. And I notice you've got red in your shirt, so that's good. Yes. Um <laughs> no, so you can you can obviously, if you're not working with the system, you know, you can consciously choose what colours you wear. And it's important that you choose what works for you. Do you know what I mean? Because intuitively, you know. Um, but if, if you really want to shift, I think it helps to work with the system because you just start, you know, it's energy. And I think it's like Einstein said, um, or is purported to have said, you can't change something at the same energy at which it was created. And that's, the, and that's what's so beautiful about the system because it just takes you 
out of yourself. So, I mean, I've worked with people, for example, that have been sectioned because mental illness really, I think is misnamed. It's not mental health, it's emotional health. And what causes people often to tip over the edge is extreme feelings of emotion, you know, sadness, grief, anger, fear, all those things. And it's actually, well, you need to just release those or allow them to pour through you rather than going, I don't want to feel this or try and distract yourself or numb yourself because ultimately that will be your undoing. See, I saw that years ago. My mum will remember this. She's still slightly like upset by it. But I just qualified as a nurse. So this is like 2004. Yeah. And we had to do a presentation to like the head of medicine and things like that at the hospital. So I had noticed that we always had so many alcoholics on the medical ward. Yeah. And they'd come in, they'd love the connection, food, all that kind of thing. And we'd give them this like drying out medicine package you know they take these tablets for so many days wean them off kind of thing and then we set them back out off into a homeless you know no fixed abode and then within a three-month cycle they would come back and so my presentation was very badly received because I challenged and said that we shouldn't be giving them tablets we should be giving them emotional support we should be saying we know you drink but why what was the trigger what was your first emotion yeah and the head of nursing, she said, like, a bit like the uh, Celestine Prophecy ladies, just like, well, you're not going to get anywhere in your nursing career because we have no problems with alcoholics. Do you know what I mean? They just drink because they drink. And this is going back, like, decades. And then it was, like, fast forward, like, six months or a year. And it was on Anglia News. And it said about how many millions alcoholic, like, tendencies cost the NHS. And it's not that I'm labeling it for the cost. What I'm saying is it's the emotional health like you know you don't just choose to drink there's a reason why you're drinking there's a reason why you're not eating or binge eating or going for that bad relationship we don't just have these behaviors for the sake of having them there is that emotion that needs to come up that voice that needs to be heard you know something that needs to be healed so I totally get where you're coming from that yeah and you know emotional health is lovely because they tend there is the term emotional health but it's often different to mental health they don't use it as the same do they and i think it's just a misunderstanding and you know if if we understand that you know many ways we're very if we you know if we go sort of chunk up a bit um you know back in we had the enlightenment in the 18th century right well there's nothing really very enlightening about it, <laughs> Descartes saying, I think, therefore I am. And in that moment, he severed the mind-body connection. And for me, what I would call the old paradigm, but for many is still the current paradigm, it's where, you know, what was the impact of that? Well, we don't need religion. Now, I'm not advocating religion, but it was kind of the separation of church and science, you know, and it's like, well, you know, science became the new God, effectively, and everything had to be proven. And that, you know, and it was like, well, what's the hypothesis? And how do you know that works? You know, and then it's like working at PwC, you know, if you couldn't measure it, it didn't exist. But what we forgot in embracing that paradigm was the role of mysticism. And yeah. actually, we don't necessarily understand everything. And as Arthur Kessler said many years ago, 
magic is the science we don't understand yet. And we're already seeing those shifts. So if you go back, you know, you probably were around as I was 20 odd years ago. There may be three books in a book sh bookshop <laughs> about mind, body, spirit. Now you probably get at least three um, shelves full of the stuff. You know, there yeah. used to be many MBS events. There's now thousands. You know, you can get acupuncture on the NHS. Cancer patients can often get Reiki on the NHS. So there is this recognition, but we still haven't healed up that schism, if you like. You know, there's still that separation. And that's, you know, for some people, there's the recognition that we've now moved into the age of Aquarius from the age of Pisces. And now it's about basically bringing those two aspects together healing it together and saying yes they need to exist coexist and that yeah. comes through um bringing in the mysticism and some people would say that is will be the role of the magician from the tarot you know just comes and brings in divine will because that's what's needed now and that understanding See, I like to think that we've all got magic within us and I know people will roll their eyes and that's okay by me <laughs> but I do think that we all hold a magic power within us and we can tap into all of that you know we can't prove it but I just think we all have this great power within us and I love that but as we were saying about the disease I went from nursing to clinical hypnotherapy and in my clinical hypnotherapy I started to see the people when they went through a trauma whether that's past life or current life, they would have like the physical memory as well as the emotional memory. And so I can see how it's all together. We can't prove anything, but you do see patterns in life. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, does it? Absolutely, Shelley, that's exactly it. And everyone, I would say, everyone on the planet is far more powerful than most of them realize, you know? And, um, and that's the journey we're on is to recognize, well, you can, you know, yes, we've created money as a source of energy for example, or, you know, to, a way to pay for things, but we're the only species that has to do that in this world, you know, sort of find a, something to do and that we can be paid for, you know, actually we have a value in and of ourselves and we need to remember that. And it's, I suppose it's just that whole piece around, yeah, you can get stuck in what I call third dimensional reality, which is really, oh, how am I going to pay the bills? What am I going to do for a living? And all of that stuff. And how am I going to pay the school fees or, you know, pay for my kids' pair of shoes? And I'm not, I'm not saying that isn't an issue for people, but it's always going to be there. There's always, you know, you're always going to have to buy food each week because that's what we've yeah. set up. Or you can just go, do you know what? Yeah, that's there. And I trust in my ability to find a way to make money. And I'm choosing to live my life at a higher level. It's much more fun to be on the fifth dimension, to be honest. It's like, what do I want to create? How do I yeah. want to be? You know, what's my relationship with oneness or the universe or whatever? And that might sound a bit out there for people, but it's actually the truth of it. You know, we are powerful beings of light. And I think it was Marianne Williamson or Nelson Mandela that was then linked to her, but they both sort of said something along the lines of, you know, we're not afraid of the darkness. We're actually 
afraid of our own power and the light that we are. But once we've found that and we shine it, we are then allowing others to shine their light. Yeah, I know that quote. I love it. I wanted it in my office about like, we sort of like darken down our sparkle almost. And it's not because, you know, don't upset others. Actually, we're scared of like, we create our own fears about ourselves and our amazing potential. Exactly. So yeah, I love that quote. So bless you, your positive change. It's been quite interesting because you sort of like had this real clarity like 20 odd years ago. Then you went to PricewaterCooper, then you went back and in and out, you know, and that's what I think is a really valuable message today is that, you know, we do zigzag. It's not like linear, is it? You know, that you might step forward, then go back. But the key thing for you, it seems, is to have fun on the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And and also not, to, yeah, not to take any of it too seriously. Um, you know, we're all perfectly imperfect. So we're all going to make a mess of it sometimes. That's part of human condition and that's okay. But, you know, um, just, and also it's like what's right for me won't necessarily be right for you, you know. So it's just the only thing you have to worry about is, your own impeccability by your own standards you know what I mean and because I think yeah. that going back to the piece around the light and being afraid to shine our light part of that is this fear of wanting to belong and because we want you know we all want connection and to belong and so we can we want to fit in so we conform in order to fit in as with what we see society as whereas actually it's like you know we're all unique just get on and paddle your own canoe and the people that like what you've got to say will find you. Yeah, I love that. And I say that quite a lot, like, you know, the world is quite scary. It can be overwhelming. It can be very judgmental. It can be lots of things, but I think also we can just take it back to our own little inner world. You know, your story started beautifully about this intuitive moment, like 20 odd years ago. And so sometimes we can just draw it back to our own inner world, can't we? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and as you, like, in your own journey, like, you know, you started off in a caring profession, nursing, and then you moved to clinical hypnotherapy, and you've been on that journey yourself, because that's it. As, as we learn more about ourselves, or even actually unlearn, because it's a lot of deconstruct, you know, that's the other reason I like colour, yeah. because it's going into the subconscious programming that we don't even know is there, but actually is running the software. And going, no, that's not what I want anymore. I need to shift that and actually make those choices. So we unlearn all those things. And then as we step into our power, that it's like a stone going into the middle of a pond. And then it ripples out and touches all these other people. And we don't always know who's been touched by our message. And that's okay too. Yeah. Bless you. I've absolutely loved this. Thank you so much. I love the like the message of intuition. You've got the corporate in there, the spiritual. I love it. But I think, you know, the fun thing, I think that's really key, isn't it? Like, have fun while we're here. Yeah, because, you know, before you know it, you're going to be dead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> awful, but it comes for us all. And no one's going to say, how often did you clean your house? You know, did you have all your affairs in order? Who cares? You know, did you have a rip-roaring laugh and a few drinks with your mate? Great, you know. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. It's been a real um, privilege to, to share this time with you and to get to know you as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing.